Hey guys, Coach here. Man, thanks for taking a couple of minutes. I do appreciate your time, and I hope you stick around to the end. If you haven't seen me here on the podcast, I invite you to check it out over on the YouTube channel, and Reddit, and Instagram, some of the other places too. Hey, have you ever seen that house on the block, or that house in your neighborhood, where uh, the current or maybe the previous owners have planted plants in such a location and in such a fashion that kind of makes you walk away, maybe even without any sort of professional knowledge in your head, but you, you can just look at it and go, man, what were, what were those guys thinking? For me, I sure have seen that. And this week we delve into a real pillar of landscape design philosophy called the three R's. Three R's standing for right plant in the right place and definitely for the right reason, which we will focus in on quite a bit towards the end. This was taught to me as I studied in college and ornamental hort and landscape design and specifically OJT working at the nursery, where eventually kind of picked up a state certification, uh, which we kind of had to have before we started designing people's yards. The three R's are very self-explanatory, yet it does require a pretty good understanding of plants, their habits, sizes, blooming period, uses, and specifically their care. That's where that ornamental hort thing kind of kicks in. So I'm glad you're here with me today. I really appreciate it. We are in the midst of something of a heat wave where Maestro and I are at. And yeah, we got a little bit of that Canadian smoke lingering overhead. Can't smell it at ground level, but you can certainly smell it uh, or see it in the sky up above. So, hey, glad you're here again. Let's get started. Hey friends, Maestro here. Just dropping a reminder to check out the podcast description for discount opportunities and any important links. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on a specific app, please don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps us grow and continue to provide these free podcasts. You know, as I mentioned in the intro, a lot of education kind of went in behind what I bring to you guys every Friday. It wasn't just uh, OJT. There was a lot of classroom stuff, a little bit of lab stuff, state testing and certifications. And lo and behold, I uh, ended up making a living doing this stuff. Not too bad a one at that. I had a friend one day and I asked him, why, why are you placing those plants in that place? Now this friend was also a competitor and uh, I kind of told him, I'm trying to say this politically correct. I kind of told him, dude, they're going to kind of overwhelm cover and kind of outgrow that space. Now, my friend was a contractor, a landscape contractor, but he was not a designer and he was not anything to do with ornamental hort whatsoever. So his response to me was, so what? I can't see it from my house. I kidded him and replied, well, you know, you wouldn't put a king-size mattress into your kitchen either just because you may be able to wedge it in there. The guy just looked at me and I could kind of see the gears grinding as he tried to digest what I just told him. And it was the whole thing, you know, just because you got it on sale, you could save a few bucks, meaning your bottom line and your margin might be a few dollars more. These people are going to curse you out in three to five years when this thing needs butchering three and four times a year to keep it in that little narrow bed or whatever else there was. And in this case, 
the plants that he was planting were variegated mock orange from the Pittosporum family. And he was putting them in three foot beds along the foundation on the side of a garage. And then there was a, a three and a half foot walkway outside of that. And then a small bed and then a fence. Okay, kind of the side yard gig. And I just kind of, I just kind of shook my head. And I kept my mouth shut because a friend's a friend. But moving on, let's break down these three R's. Now these three R's, if you can picture a triangle, these three R's are kind of one of the pillars of landscape design. They're a tenant that really has to be adhered to when it comes to doing your own project. Certainly was one that I used when I went to people's houses and they were uh, hiring me to do the right thing for them. And because of that, I took it very seriously. It was a very serious uh, theory and concept and tenet that I adhered to in order to, to put the right plant in the right place for that right reason. Because if you got it wrong, it's just going to stand out like a sore thumb down the road. And that is just horrible advertising. The right plant concept kind of surrounds the point of size, especially at maturity. Plants that grow you know, 10 feet high and 10 feet wide have no place, no reason for being planted in such of a three foot foundation bed next to a garage. You're just inviting for yourself or someone else the unpleasurable task of having to butcher that plant not too far down the road and keep it in that ridiculous boundary, which is eventually going to most likely weaken and kill the bush because it's just not able to do what it Mother Nature intended for it to do. You'll often see this non-adherence to this theory when you get into uh, what I used to call the production front yards of new residential developments. Some architect, and this is not a slam against architects, there is just some architects that are highly educated in the classroom, but most of the time they've never put a plant in the ground. They don't have that practical on-the-job type of experience. And there's been many times where I've seen architectural drawings for developments where you just kind of go, what? What are they, what are they doing? Landscaping that they were calling for certain plants just to fill up a yard. There wasn't a theme, a theory, a, a long-term plan for what the yard was supposed to look like. It was just rubber stamp, to kunk, to kunk, to kunk, and move on. The landscape contractor gets these plants and installs them and a couple years later, if all goes well, the homeowner is having to prune them all up three and four times a year to keep them in bounds. You know, the right plant can also refer to not only size, but bloom time and leaf color. Having that sequential blooming cycle in your landscape that calls for the right plants or plants being used to provide the landscape with near year-round color. Now, where I was in Northern California, you could kind of do that. Now, I've totally realized that there's northern latitudes and places uh, in southern latitudes as well, where you get too far south, you, you start ending up with the same problem that the northern latitudes have. And you can't expect to have year-round color because Things just go to sleep. Even evergreen type stuff, you're not going to get color out of it. But I uh, kind of prided myself a little bit about using leaf color, 
fall color, blooming periods, leaf texture versus coarse textures, and you kind of got into a rhythm, not a rubber stamp rhythm, but you knew what plants worked well with each other. And if that appealed to my clients, then oftentimes I would use them. You know, the right plant concept is paramount to the sun versus shade plantings as well. And what you're using in conjunction with surrounding things. You know, a real gross example would be taking a, a blue agave plant, you know, a giant uh, succulent type of plant and placing half a dozen of them under large mature redwood trees. Okay, see what I'm saying? It did, they, the two just don't go together in any way. Not to mention that it would just stand out in almost anybody's mind that those agaves are just way, way out of place. Can you start picking up what I'm putting down here just a little bit? This is where a little planning and a little consulting with local nursery will pay huge dividends for you. And when I say nursery, I'm speaking of a, uh, a real professional nursery, a mom and pop type of nursery with a design staff and a little, or better yet, a lot of knowledge base when it comes to what works well and where. So what I would suggest to you to flatten the curve a little bit about these three R's is sketch out your landscape project. Sketch out what you're going to be doing down the road, whether it be this year or next year, and sketch it out to scale as best as you can. And then take that sketch in and ask for some help. And if they provide it, the nursery I started and cut my teeth at, we would design for people. But before we did that, we had them purchase a $200 gift certificate for themselves. And then we went ahead, did the designing, presented the design, and we knew as a business, they would probably redeem that gift certificate for at least 200 bucks. Now I'll tell you a little secret here. How much did I as a designer get paid by this company? Well, I got $20 per design. That's right, $20. That was back in hmm, 1978. So you can see that prices have changed dramatically since then. But I would really encourage you not to be the creepos that when you get a lot of help and a lot of professional advice uh, dispensed to you, <laughs> don't turn around and run to the box store just to save a few bucks. You know, if you could save $15 going to Walmart because they got a new inventory shipped in, yeah, you can, but just because you can, should you? I mean, it's, it's really a, a slap in the face, slap in the professional's face who sat there and really grinded it out with you, walking around the nursery for two hours or more maybe, showing you all the plants that would work and where they could go and you writing your notes and everything and then you blow out of there and go over and save a few bucks. That's, that's really insulting. Okay, let's move on to our second R and that is the right place for the plant. And right place kind of surrounds the concept of placement based on not only size, but surroundings and usage too. For instance, if you are fortunate to have a large backyard, and when I say large, maybe you have three quarters of an acre back there. I mean, 
wish I did. And then the backyard has the ability to have large, expansive planting beds and kind of wandering and meandering. Maybe you have room for islands and other stuff that you could plant up. So when you, when you approach this larger areas like this with frontal plants, fill plants, and backdrop plants, this really creates that tiered or stair-step effect that draws the eye back and up throughout the bed and allows the beds to be almost displayed or tilted forward like if they were on a hillside or something than just one flat plane for the viewer's eye. So using the right plant in the right place assures this by the selection of proper cultivars of various plants. For instance, look at the story I told you at the top of the show. Look at the plant Pittosporum. So many cultivars within that plant group for ornamental use. Within that plant group, you have plants that grow 12 by 12, and I mean feet, or you got some little ones that are two by twos. So getting the cultivar right is paramount. Another family of plants, one that's very popular, and that's Loripetalum, Chinese fringe flower. In that plant group, you've got big ones, 10 by 10s, little mediums that could be six by six, four by fours, and then like purple pixie, really small ones that go about 18 inches high and two, two and a half feet wide. Make sure that the you, you hit the bullseye when it comes to cultivar use. And if you happen to have somebody who drew something up for you, but they just did little call-outs on the design, little arrows, and labeled the plant loripetalum or pittosporum or maple or whatever, try to really uh, drill down a little further, not only the person that maybe you had draw something for you, but also when you're at the nursery itself. You know, you go to the lower petalum selection and you'll see all the ones. Well, don't just have them pull out one of them. It happens to be Purple Majesty and it, it goes eight feet tall, eight feet wide plus, And you, you're looking at your design going, ah, yeah, that's only a six foot bed. And there's other things that are supposed to go in there with it. So you make the knowledgeable, informed decision to step down in the cultivar to get the right plant. Okay, so let's look at the reason, the, the right reason. The reason we landscape correctly is that third arm of the design triangle. The reason is broad spectrum, let me tell you. Broad spectrum that mixes with other hardscape parts of your landscape, views that come into existence, uh, either screening or enhancing one or the other, the long-term uh, usage of the landscape itself, and placement theories that go along with it. To expand on this even more, look at reasons like shade production, privacy, soil stability. These are all purposes. Water needs, food production, pet management, wind and storm management, you know, and storm breaks and so on and so on. These are the purposes that when we start going down that planning and designing part of your landscape project, you know that, man, come January, when the winter winds turn and they start coming out of the north, we would really 
benefit by having some type of snow break, wind break, etc. over on this side. And because we're going to do that, we're going to reason to ourselves that down in front of that, we could have a little thicker bed, something that'll really taper that wind off. Or maybe you're, you're kind of at the leeward side of a very windy hill, and that wind just screams over the top of you. And you need to break that just a little bit, especially for winter warmth, so the house just doesn't get robbed. Or maybe another reason is you have pet management. And pet management means maybe Doggo has a, a shaded dog run with a little bit of a screening and that kind of stuff, so there's not a lot of barking, that kind of things when you're you're entertaining, or there's neighbor dogs, and you see what I'm saying? So reason comes into it as far as why you're doing what you're doing. There's a purpose and a reason behind it. And when you take on your own project, these reasons must enter into decisions and planning and placement. Trees and plant placement. Kind of like, what will shade what if you place tree A and plants B, C, and D? Maybe you put in a, uh, I, I don't know, just pick a tree. Maybe you're going to put in a, a southern magnolia and you're going to put in these sunny plants down underneath because the magnolia tree is going to be small for five, ten years before it really gets its gusto on. And then all those sunny plants underneath are going to get shaded out. So what are the options? Can you put something underneath the magnolia tree, maybe in the form of a something that likes part sun and part shade and will tolerate that magnolia leaf drop and the cleanup that's going to have to go along with it. Or maybe you'll just do ground cover underneath there. So the reason, the reason you're placing those plants underneath is because the tree is going to get rather large someday. It's going to shade out the plants. So you're not going to, you're not going to want sunny plants underneath a very shady area. Planting reasons also surround your likes what you like, and just as importantly, what you don't like, your history, your personal history. Maybe this is your third house and you really miss those panicle hydrangeas that you had at your first house. So where in this house could you use them again? Something to think about, your own personal history. What you want around you and your family. You know, do you want a lot of uh, bee attractors and pollinators and stuff? But... Little Janie is allergic to bee stings, so you have to reason to yourself, well, you know, maybe those types of plants could go in the back part of the yard over here, and little Janie will just have to be taught, hey, stay away from that side during this time of year. Reasons behind stuff. And this all comes down to your design and your layout eventually. For many folks, and of no fault of their own, many folks don't have a clue as far as what their wants are. But surprisingly, which I have seen firsthand, surprisingly, once they self-immerse themselves into a self-taught education, as they listen to watch this or that, read those pages, it is amazing to see the learning curve that was rather steep in the beginning, really flattened. And the confidence and determination and perseverance that they know they can do it really starts to come out. And it's kind of true of most anything, right? If you learn about it, if you're educated about it, 
you know what to do, you start dabbling and your confidence increases, sure enough, yeah, you're going to be able to do your own landscape project. And when you do, you're going to save thousands, if not tens of thousands. It sure did work for me. Like I said, at the start, I knew nothing from nothing in the beginning. I knew how to mow a lawn and I knew how to make green meatballs. I knew how to prune and shear and do all that kind of, and that's about where my green education was. And then I got involved in it. <laughs> Absolutely fell in love with it. Do you need to be educated? Do you need to be an educated expert in order to accomplish a DIY landscape project? Mm, no, nope, not at all. Approaching a landscape project with the three R's in mind, coupled with the needed education for other elements of an overall landscape project, yeah, that would help a lot. It really would. Elements like, you know, drainage, irrigation systems if you need it, soil prep and amending for planting and uh, preparing for seeds and sod beds, planting techniques, hardscape installation, lighting, and having that long-term vision of what you're trying to accomplish in your head and then onto paper. And I'll guarantee you this, guys, once it goes on paper, after you've really thought some things out, once you get done with that design phase, you'll be surprised exactly in your head. I know exactly what I need to do, and I know the steps. I really do. The three R's will be a huge leg up and allow that project to solidify in your brain, and it'll come out on paper. 70%, at least, 70% of the job is the vision and the mental confidence that you know it's going to look good and it's going to be able to be done by you. The other 10, 20%, it's the parts and pieces. And the remaining is the physical and mental fortitude to succeed and bring that project to life and over the finish line for you and your family to enjoy. So remember the three R's, a very basic, basic tenet of landscape design and construction. If you harness that in your head, you're going to be so far ahead of the game, it's unbelievable. Now, how do you get there? Maybe I can help. I can help through consultation, I can help through the ebook, and I can help through the Homescape 1.0, the digital course. Any of those, any of those, if I can offer those to you, they're over on the website, youryardcoach.com. Plain and simple. Go over there and peruse it. If you have any questions, feel free to email me before you do any sort of purchases. I'll be more than happy to correspond back and forth. I don't want anybody to buy something uh, with a, God, I really hope this might help. Talk to me about it. I'll be more than happy to help you. That's what I got for you today. Don't forget the three R's. Right plant, right place, and certainly for the right reason. I'll catch you guys next week. Really appreciate your time. As always, to your landscape success. If you have a bigger question than just a comment, make sure you email me at youryardcoach at gmail.com. Thanks for sticking around, guys. I really appreciate your attention. I hope you learned a little bit of something. I'll catch you next Friday. Bye for now. Hey, friends. Maestro here. Just dropping a reminder to check out the podcast description for discount opportunities and any important links. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on a specific app, please don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps us grow and continue to provide these free podcasts. Again, thanks for listening to this week's show, and we'll see you right here next week.